When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. From the Blau Gronagram Podcast Network, this is Barca Talk. For much of the season, Barcelona have been struggling to find their best 11 and consistency on the pitch. This week in the Spanish Supercopa, the team proved that they don't really know how to play without Lionel Messi. Welcome to the show. I'm Brian Henderson, and here is Gabriel Quiroga. Brian, Brian, my Barca brother from another mother. It's been a long time since we recorded. It's been a long recorded. time, I know, yes. I know. Since happy the 2021. listeners have heard you <laughs> greet me as your Barca brother from another mother. Yes, happy yes. 2021. How are you doing? Uh, literally surviving, Brian. And we had a snowpocalypse here in Madrid last week. And I know you guys are always prepared for snow in Buffalo, but we basically have one snowplow in Madrid. <laughs> so the snow is still... A troublesome for us like it like it's starting to melt and become easier to walk around yeah but man it's still cumbersome to it's stressful more than anything because of the ice you know yep. the ice on the ground the ice coming down on the ceilings and so forth but other than that I'm, I'm doing all right brian i'm doing all right how about yourself good good it's actually like not snowing at all here it's weird it's somehow <laughs> you and i have, have traded cities <laughs> city well climates at least yeah. This week we had the Supercopa semifinal and then the final. The semifinal, Barcelona narrowly got through after 120 minutes, couldn't decide who would go forward. And then after penalties, uh, we finally got through past Real Sociedad. And then, of course, on Sunday, played the final against Athletic, which went to 120 minutes, but it was decisive. And in the end, Athletic won the Supercopa 3-2. to two. And so there were a couple of pretty notable events Probably the most notable being that in the final, Messi got his first red card at FC Barcelona in his career. Not just, And it was a straight red card, but not just any red card. He's never even had a two yellow red card situation. This was his first red card. So that was major in the final. And then he wasn't even in the semifinal against Real Sociedad because uh, he had a mild injury or mild discomfort. And in both cases, whether he was on the pitch or off the pitch in this past week, this team struggled. Uh, the team struggled to create many quality chances. Players sort of constantly out of position and nobody to effectively run the offense, which, you know, that brings me back to something I said at the top of the show, which is that this team really doesn't know how to play without Messi, I don't think. Yeah, this is a topic that's been for the past couple months, right? I mean, they've been playing with Messi. He hasn't missed any games. Obviously, he just missed this one right now. But again, it's finding the flow, right? Especially when Messi's not there. What's the position? Are we playing with Braithwaite as a number nine or is Griezmann the number nine? When looking at this match, especially the, the first match on Wednesday night against Sociedad, 
it took us about 50 minutes or so to kind of figure out the spacing, especially with Messi not there, and who to trust. And that took a long time. And then once they finally figured that out spacing, they definitely had more attacking chances. But again, in this match, in the final, for example, you know, Kuman puts Messi at 120 minutes. And like you said, he gets the red card, but it's at the very end of the match, so it didn't really affect the outcome. When Messi comes back, it's another kind of... They had to feel their way out again for most of the match. And they did have scoring opportunities. Obviously, Griezmann scored two goals. So you can say in this match, the final, that they had a better conversion rate. But still, Brian, they are... When Messi's not there, they're they're absent. They don't know what to do. And I think this really goes to the coaching of putting the direction in these players to know what to do when Messi's not there. Yes. I mean, talking about the semifinal in particular, uh, it seemed really strange, right? Dembele tried to take charge of the attack, but he showed that he's not ready for that, at least. And I would expect, or you would expect, Griezmann to take charge, being the more experienced and really the most successful of the front three that played in that game. But... I don't know. It seems like maybe that's just not Griezmann's personality to to take that leadership role, to to take the reins, but to actually be more of a a supportive player. Like he is very much a second striker, and maybe that's just his way. He's not gonna he's not gonna lead the attack, and Dem, and then Dembele tries, and he you know, and it's noble effort, but he kind of fails sort of miserably. <laughs> yeah, it's a good point with I know, it's a good point with Dembele, right? Because he did try to take the attack and so, you know, as a fan I'm watching that and I appreciate that because that's a hard thing to do, right? Like he he wanted to take charge, he wanted to take chances, but again, it's one of those things where his indecision hurts the team more, right? He makes bad passes. He has more unsuccessful events happen more than any other Barca player. And so when that happens, the defense is put on pressure and the ball goes the other way on a counterattack. And going to your second point with Griezmann, he's just not an alpha dog, right? He's kind of the alpha sidekick and he can handle that role. But when you need him to step up and be a leader of this team, he still lacks that kind of killer instinct. You know, I appreciate Dembele taking those opportunities to try to take, you know, those chances. But again, you have to understand when to do a 1v1 and hold it, not hold it, go for it, and not go for it. And he's still kind of maturing into that. But again, it is very frustrating because you do see the potential. And every time he's dribbling, I get excited. But then when he makes a bad pass, you kind of slap your head with it. You know, you're like, oh, Dembele, come on, man. Don't make that play. You got to mature and get better at when, you know, decision making is really what it comes down to with Dembele. Yeah, his decision making is something that we at the podcast have been sort of looking at a little bit more closely and trying to gather up some stats. And in a, in an episode or two, I think we're going to have a lot of things to really lay out for you about his decision making. But like in the final, for example, he kept cutting in and trying to go towards the, you know the support, but that's exactly where all of Athletics defenders were, so he was not successful in that. The few times that he did try to go outside and go 1v1, it didn't work out. And I think if he had tried more, he might have had a little bit more success. I mean, it's not always going to work out. But so often in that final, particularly, he kept trying to cut in and it just wasn't working. And there was that. Now, also, De Jong in the semifinal, he scored a goal, but he also gave up the penalty, which led to the whole extra time and then penalty situation. More importantly, though, and this comes back to the initial point that that this team just doesn't know what to do when Messi's not there, is he was way out of position most of this game. In fact, not just him, but a lot of people. But let's look at De Jong for a moment. Um, you know, normally he plays on the left side of midfield, 
But with Pedri, now he's tending to play more on the right side of midfield. That's fine. You know, he could play on either side in the midfield. But in this semifinal, both he and Pedri were in attacking positions more often than than Braithwaite in many cases. And that might explain why De Jong scored a goal. I know that in the post-game press conference, Kuman said, you know, it's good for him to get forward. It uh, confuses the defense and or, you know, it surprises them. And uh, I mean, frankly, that that ball that came in, <laughs> the assist that came in from Griezmann's surprised De Jong. He, yeah. he just he just barely managed to get his head on that. Yeah. The issue is that so many of these players were out of position. Like, why is Braithwaite passing forward to De Jong and Pedri? It's really kind of baffling because De Jong in the last games has really performed much better. He's kind of getting back to that Ajax form, you know, where we saw him being more dynamic, going coast to coast and taking really charge of the attack. But it's one of those things, Brian, it's like if you Kuman finally has decided De Jong to have that freedom to go through, but that exposes so many things on the back end. And so that's why I think Braithwaite feels a necessity to be more possessive at the top and hold the ball. It's kind of the yin and yang. Do you want a free-flowing De Jong that's scoring goals? You know, recently he's been scoring goals, especially like in the semifinal with the header, but then you're exposed in the back, right? And it's kind of one of those things that's always revolving with this issue with the team. And this goes back to the Messi thing that we've started with is that, you know, when Messi's not there, we have more freedom in the middle, but then we don't have the discipline going back. And so we're wasting a lot of energy, losing balls and going back and then making really nice runs here and there. But overall, we're wasting a lot of energy and we're just really lackluster on defense. And so, like you said, Dijon gave up the penalty. You know, it's not, I mean, it hit his arm essentially kind of a nonchalant play. It wasn't like he went in for a bad tackle. But again, right. it's one of these things where Sociedad still had opportunities on the counter. And yes, Dijon is kind of being unlocked right now. But at the same time, you know, Pedri has to come back on defense and that's not where he thrives. Right, right. And, I mean, what I would prefer, back to something you said a moment ago, is what I would prefer is that for the forwards to be forward and to score. I would prefer, <laughs> you know, that's what I would prefer. You know, and, like, I expect Braithwaite to be the nine stretching the defense, occupying the center packs, as we've heard said about number nine so often. But in that semi, he spent most of his time on the corner of the box. I know that because I looked at his heat map. And yeah. most of his positioning was on the corner of the box off to the left if you're you know looking at the goal from if you're if you're Tristegen it was on the left and yeah that's just not where i hope for him to be of course we all know that Braithwaite is is really not a 9 that is at of the caliber that we want at barcelona but still i would i would prefer for him to just have his back to goal and you know stretch the defense a little bit and then you know lay off the ball yeah it's a good point and the other thing too i think we just have too many false positions you know, when you have all these false positions on the field, you don't have the discipline on defense and you know who to cover because, yes, you want to give Messi the freedom to do what he does and you want to give Griezmann the freedom and Dijon now, right? But now if they get sucked in and there's a counter, then all of a sudden they have numbers, the other team, right? And these are the opportunities that are happening to Barcelona. When you have too much improvisation, no one knows what you're doing because they don't know the positioning, right? And that kind of goes back to the same point on Wednesday night where, you know, with Dembele trying to make these passes, he's trying to do these kind of no-look passes. You assume when you play in a formation, let's say just, I'm just putting it out there, 4-3-3, three, three, you know where the triangles are. But all of a sudden when you have so many false positions of people running around and stuff, you expect the player to be there in the middle and all of a sudden he's over to your right and then you make a bad pass and then it's going to counter the other way. So maybe we just have to limit 
this kind of improvisation. And I, unfortunately, I want Dijon a little bit more protected and not going forward as much. I know that's going to not have opportunities for him to score, but I think he's more valuable in our midfield and we need him to cover on the counter and also just be the the maestro of doing the tempo passing that we need in the midfield. Yeah, I mean, and and covering on the counter, that's very important because he has speed. And there was actually one play in particular. It wasn't especially consequential, uh, you know, at the end of the day (laughs) in the final. But it was still a really good moment when he had been shifted to center back after various substitutions. And he was covering sort of he was split between a forward in the center of the box and the guy advancing with the ball. And he sort of split in between them. And just at the right moment, he he came out and defended against the cross in. It was actually perfect timing and perfect positioning on his part. And he does that same sort of thing responding to counters, even when he's you know still in the midfield and not playing center back. Exactly. He's becoming one of our most valuable players, right? I mean, you saw tonight where he was able to split them and then do the final sprint on the last guy to cover the cross. And that's just... That's just awesome defense, right? And that just shows you the value of what he does. I think he's one of those crucial players that we need to protect. Let Griezmann and Messi improv, right? We need to still figure that out, you know? And yes, you know, Griezmann scored two goals tonight and they looked more connected as a team. But at the same time, we have to understand how to play without Messi because especially in the summer, we're not, we don't know if he's coming back. Well, Messi's played pretty much every minute he can under Kuman this season. Uh, the team clearly revolves around him, and that's understandable, right? But a good team can't only revolve around one player, you know, no matter how amazing they are, right? The team has to operate with, with unity, no matter who's on the field. And, you know, again, this team has just shown that they, they don't know how to work without Messi on the pitch. Now, also, Jordi Alba is pretty directly responsible for two of Athletic's goals in the final. Of course, we scored the first one, and within the, the next minute, Athletic equalizes, mostly due to Jordi Alba. Then we go ahead, and then shortly thereafter, Athletic equalizes again, also because of Jordi Alba. Whenever he has a bad game, and he actually didn't have overall a bad game, but he definitely had these two bad moments, and whenever he has a bad game, I think of questions like this. Can you guess how many more minutes Jordi Alba has played than Junior Furpo. Can you guess, Gabriel? I don't know. Well, stay with us to find out. A normal day for a football fan in Spain goes something like this. In the morning, you get the papers, and then you jump on Twitter. That gets you through to lunch. And then after lunch, you have local sports shows here. What's the up-to-date after training? You might have the match later on that night. At the end of the night, at midnight, Chiringuito show, which is just gossip between Barcelona and Madrid. Our team in Spain, Gabriel Quiroga and Mariana Guzman, live that every day, and they sit down every week to share that experience with you on Barca Talk Cafe, an exclusive show for our supporters on Patreon. Understanding who are the people to follow, the journalists to really respect, take their advice, and then portray that to our audience of what is being said about Barcelona with the up-to-date news of the week. We're trying to give you that experience of what it is to follow FC Barcelona here, and on top of that, trying to cut through the noise and trying to get the pure news and analysis that you want about FC Barcelona. Support us on Patreon to get your exclusive content. Just follow the link in our show notes. Welcome back to Barca Talk. We're talking about the Supercopa games in this past week. And really, I I do believe that 
Barcelona would have actually won this final had it not been for two of the goals that they gave up, two equalizers that they gave up. And both of them, can we can definitely focus in on Jordi Alba as being partially to fully responsible somewhere on that spectrum for both of those goals in the final. In the first one, he did not track DeMarcos, and that gave up the first equalizer. And then for the second one, it was a free kick, and he was the first defender. He should have tried to make a clearance, but instead he actually ducked beneath the free kick, and that led to giving up the second equalizer. The thing with Alba the last two years is that his speed is just not as fast anymore. The decision-making is just not as clinical as it used to be. You know, he was, he's becoming kind of a one-trick pony. And Brian, the thing that really just irks me now watching him is as a defender, your main job is to defend. And again, on these two plays, again, it's it's just being focused to defend. And mm-hmm. Alba just takes breaks. And when he takes breaks, he gets exposed and the other team scores. Now, you know, with the ducking, he could have done better, obviously. He should have jumped and timed it properly. Should have at least tried. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> But the first one to me is just lack of focus. You know, how does he not know, Brian, that there isn't someone behind him tracking for the cross? And to me, he always looks surprised that there's a winger coming behind him. You know, that is the scouting report on him now is you exploit him when he's not paying attention. You bully him. And that's exactly what Athletic Bilbao did tonight. They bullied us. More importantly, they bullied us in the air. And that's what that goal came into, you know. To me, I still think he's getting way too many minutes. Well, that's exactly what I wanted to talk about with this segment, right? Which is that Ronald Koeman clearly does not favor Junior Furpo much, even less than Kike Setien or Ernesto Valverde did. The lack of consideration he's gotten from all of these managers really tells me that Furpo's place at Barcelona is, is never going to be on the level of Jordi Alba, even though his performance, his performance is good enough to warrant getting more minutes than he does. And, you know, there's your solution right there. But this season, in answer to the question that we posed just before the break, here's the answer. Jordi Alba has played five times as many minutes as Junior has. I'm rounding up a little bit, but he's played somewhere between 1,800 and 2,000 minutes, depending upon which website you check, versus (laughs) Junior's 388. However, in a head-to-head comparison, particularly in defensive matters, Firpo actually outperforms Alba in a, in a number of ways. Firpo wins more duels, blocks more shots, makes more interceptions, and he has more successful defensive actions per 90 minutes than Alba. And that's with Alba having five times as many minutes as him. Imagine what Firpo could do if Alba were only playing, I don't know, two to three times as many minutes. You know, going back to these previous three coaches... You know, one of the things they lacked is developing our players still. You know, players can still develop and you can still coach them at a professional level. And I feel, you know, these last three coaches and now we're talking about Kuman, they are so focused on other things that they kind of forget that they still need to coach these players. And I think, you know, with Furpo, I just think it's a matter of just getting more time and understanding of the formation. But I think... Like you said, I don't think he deserves five times more Alba, right? I think giving Firpo more opportunities and also to rest Alba because a rested Alba is a stronger Alba, right? We don't need to run him into the ground. And again, you know, looking at these minutes and also just more importantly on the defending, you know, this was kind of eye-opening to me because, you know, you tend to have the first taste of Firpo in your mouth, right? Especially when he came on 
and made errors, you know, leading to goals right away. But I think he has developed and has become steadier in defending. You know, I still think Alba is a better starter, like if I was taking my starting 11. But I definitely think Firpo should get more minutes and more importantly to preserve Alba. And, you know, this is this is one of the things is Alba just doesn't care about defending anymore. And we saw tonight, especially with the ducking play. I mean, that 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 blew up Twitter today, Brian. That blew oh, up. Oh, sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, you're not going to you're not going to get away with that. Bar- yeah. Barca Twitter will come after you. Correct. 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 <laughs> well, and the other thing is that Alba has performed really consistently now for a few years uh, at his game, which is generally more he's more attack minded. But on the other hand, Firpo has actually been gradually improving, and that's even with seeing limited minutes. I mean, of course, under Setien, we were expecting Junior to see more minutes because we know that he played under Setien at Betis. We knew that Setien sort of knew him, you know, thought well of him, gave him minutes there. So he did get more time when Setien was managing, but he really didn't get a whole lot of chances under Valverde. And just like you said, he didn't. He didn't exactly give us the best first impression, but even then he's still managed to put in the work and actually gradually improve even with limited minutes. Since the 2018-19 season, his total successful actions have gone from 67% to 78%. So this is a, a statistic that I didn't calculate myself but i trust the people who did (laughs) and that's a you know that's an 11 percent improvement over two years where he really didn't see that much time coaching at this highest level is always about putting players in the best positions right and it's clear as day that furpo strives at a three-back system where he's the wing because then he doesn't have sole defensive responsibility he has backup right he's not on an island by himself and when Firpo plays in a three-back system, he's more effective. And also, he can use that speed. Now, he still lacks some of the technical ability that Alba has in passing. But, you know, you you play with that because you need to rest Alba. That's all it comes down to, right? You want Firpo to plug into that, that system. You go to a three-back system. And personally, I think we play a little bit better in a three-back system, just attacking-wise and just more cohesive with Dest and Firpo on both sides. I want to give Firpo just some more minutes so we can rest Alba, as we always talk about. Again, it's, you know, when you look at Alba's, especially in the game against Sociedad, and I kind of broke it down, he had 18 unsuccessful plays. Three of them were down to just laziness, essentially, just lazy plays where he kind of just checks out. And nine of them were bad passing decision-making. And this is the thing that we, we've been talking about also for the past two seasons or so, Alba's love for Messi and always going for that pass, <laughs> that predictability. And so those, you know, these couple of things, we just need to give Alba a break, right? And especially in tonight's match where two specific goal scoring opportunities or goals came from him because of the lack of focus on defending, why not give Firpo those opportunities? Because like you pointed out, defensively, he's a statistically a stronger defender on the left back. Yeah. Now, as far as the 18 unsuccessful plays against Sociedad, did you compare that to, I don't know, Jordi Alba from five years ago? No, I mean, but, from, yeah. But, <laughs> because but, who knows? Like, yeah, 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 you could yeah, always yeah. find, like, a bad sure, game. Sure, 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 <laughs> sure. But again, you know, the, the thing, you know, more importantly is that you, you know, he was never the strongest defender. You just lived with his attacking prowess, right, and speed. But again, once you get older, the speed goes. You have to find another dynamic. And again, he's never been the most physical left back. And you saw tonight, Athletic Bilbao really bullied us. They really picked us apart on physicality. And they know that. 
Does Furpo not give up that physicality because he's a little bit taller, a little bit lankier? I don't know. I think especially in the header, he clears that. It does come back to a philosophical question because you were saying that a fullback's first job is to be a defender. But I'm not sure if that's really the philosophy at Barcelona, at least. I feel like fullbacks are treated much more like like wingers, wingbacks or something. And they also have defensive duties. And that's really how Alba has managed to be the number one for so long, because statistically he's way stronger. Well, he's at least a little bit stronger in attack than Furpo, like as far as um, metrics like his uh, cross accuracy. It's like a little bit better than Furpo's by like 2%. His key passes per 90 minutes, like it outperforms Furpo by a hair. But I think what's actually really interesting as far as Alba on attack is that despite being older and probably slower than Junior, he actually covers more ground on the field. When you start comparing their heat maps from all of last season, so that way you get like a full season's worth of of stuff. They both, of course, mostly occupy the middle third more than anywhere else. But Alba gets to both end lines, both attacking and defending more often than Firpo. You see more action there from Alba. So even though Firpo probably has more speed and energy and stamina than Alba, just given his age and fitness and all that, Alba still manages to cover more ground. And, and then I start to wonder, like, well, is that about Furbo? Just he's trying to play. He's he's playing within himself. Or... That was going to be my point. Go ahead and take he's, it. Yeah, Make yeah, the yeah. point. No, no, no. To me, to me, that's what it is, because Alba has been in the system for so long. He has the confidence to know that he can make mistakes and he's still going to be a starter. Right. Whereas Furpo, you know, he makes a mistake. He doesn't play for five games that type of attitude. So he still has to be more conservative and he has to be more focused. So maybe he can't bomb down as much as he wants to because he's playing in a way that he can't afford to make mistakes, right? Even though he does make mistakes, this pressure on him to be, you know, the perfect defender, right? And, you know, Alba doesn't have that because Alba has his carte blanche right now because he's been on the team. He's been such, uh, you know, he's been able to be successful for so long at Barca. So I think that also goes along with it. When I watch Alba now, it just drives me crazy because of the defending, you know, the really, you know, like you said, at Barcelona, they have a different philosophy with our left back and our right back and the way they attack and so forth. But again, I want them to focus on defending because when it comes down to crucial games, a lot of times it's we're count on counters because our fullbacks lose sight of defending. And to me, we need to integrate Firpo more. And I want to see more minutes from him because I know there is interest right now from other clubs to take him away. That it would be catastrophic if he leaves because then all of a sudden, who do we get? We're not in the market right now economically with the elections being postponed. We're just not in a place to negotiate. So we need to keep football on the team. And Kuman, as a coach, as the captain of this ship, he needs to get Furpo plugged in, playing well, and adding and contributing to the team. Well, if he isn't transferred, and I hope he isn't, then that's obviously something that we're going to be keeping an eye on. We're going to be watching his minutes and hopefully developing on what we have to say about that moving forward. Now, this week, on Thursday, Barca has Copa del Rey, round of 32, away at Cornea. And then on Sunday, they have Elche away in La Liga. And, you know, trophies are trophies. Uh, particularly having lost the Supercopa just now, and given the long odds they have on winning La Liga, winning the Copa del Rey could actually cushion some of the disappointments of this season that are 
almost certain to come down. So I don't think there's any reason Barca shouldn't be looking at this week's schedule with two wins on their mind. But here are three things I think they should do to win both of these games. First of all, in the Copa del Rey, Cornea got to this stage of the tournament by beating Atletico Madrid 1-0. So they're no pushover. That said, I do think we should play a mostly Barca B squad. Those players have already played Cornea this season, and they beat them 1-0. You throw in a veteran defender for babysitting duty, long lay perhaps, and have Martin Breathwaite on the bench. He may not do much in the first division, but against Cornea, I think he could be an actual threat. Secondly, in La Liga, do not take Elche lightly. They tied Real Madrid when Dani Carvajal gave up a silly penalty, but Elche also held Madrid to just one goal in that game. And third, they need to start aggressively against Elche, overload the midfield and get some dynamic motion going on in the final third, score early, and don't let up. So that's what we're going to be watching for this week. Barza Talk is part of the Blaugranogram Podcast Network. This has been a production of Sounded Media. Thanks to Two Point Go for managing our social media and promotion. Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.